Let's ask God to, to speak to us and to help us this morning as we consider this. Lord, you know the unrest that is in some of our hearts this morning. You know the concerns we have. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that as we consider what your word says and what our response should be, that you, Lord, would speak to us and give us courage and boldness and faith and trust. Father, would we leave here having been glad to hear from you, and would we leave here encouraged by your word? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On New Year's Eve, a, a cluster of pneumonia-like symptoms were reported in China. A number of people had got them having been at the Hanan Wholesale Fish Market in Wuhan. On New Year's Day, they, they shut down the market and it was disinfected and cleaned to stop any pneumonia spreading. On the 3rd of January, 44 people who had been at the market then reported having breathing difficulties and 11 of these people were having serious illness. On the 7th of January, Chinese officials confirmed that the illness was a new form of coronavirus, COVID-19, coronavirus 2019, the year that it was declared. And then on the 11th of January in China, the first death from the virus happened. As of yesterday, COVID-19 has spread to 128 countries all over the world. It's infected over 150,000 people. And so far, it has killed just short of 6,000 people. Here in Northern Ireland, there's only been 34 people confirmed to have the virus. And as of yet, there have been no deaths. But things are going to get worse. Things are going to get worse. We're at the moment in the calm before the storm, if you like. In the coming weeks, and the coming months, the number of people contracting coronavirus is going to rocket. And the number of fatalities because of it is also going to rise dramatically. It's been estimated that potentially millions of people will be infected. That does not mean millions of people are going to die. But it does mean that potentially hundreds of thousands of people are going to die from this virus. I don't know if you listened to Boris Johnson's speech on Thursday after the Cobra meeting, but there was one line in it that really struck me. He said that the British public must be prepared, and I quote, to lose loved ones before their time. No one is sugarcoating this virus. No one is saying it's all going to be okay because the reality is that it's going to become very difficult. As we look around our community, as we look around Northern Ireland, as we look around the world, what we see are two main responses to the coronavirus so far. And the first response is fear, absolute panic. Terror has struck people's hearts. And this is understandable. 
Of course there is some mass hysteria. Of course there are some people who are going way over the top with the panic that they're in. But fear is a perfectly reasonable response to this virus. People are fearful of death. What if they get it? What if their loved ones get it? What if they get really sick? What if their loved ones get really sick? And what if it takes their life? And what if it takes the life of their loved ones? There is a fear of death suddenly lurking in the air in our world. There's a fear of finance, a fear of future income. Those who own business are looking ahead thinking, what if we have to close? How are we going to pay our staff? How are we going to survive? There's those who are on zero hours contracts thinking, what if we start to get zero hours? How are we going to pay our bills? How are we going to fill our larders? How are we going to feed our kids? There's the fear of finance and the problems that might come. And perhaps the biggest fear is the fear of the future. It's the fear of the unknown. Because no one really knows how this is all going to play out. No one really knows how or when this is going to end. Are we going to have to go into lockdown? Are we going to have to stay in our homes? Are shops going to stay open? Will supply chains keep supplying food? Are we going to be back on the rations? Are we going to be allowed to visit friends and family? When's life going to get back to normal? Will life ever get back to normal? People are fearful at the moment. And fear is a perfectly understandable response to this. The other response that we've seen, and you'll have seen it if you've gone into Sainsbury's or Asda or Tesco or any of the shops, the second big response is self-preservation. We have moved into self-preservation mode. That's the way we're hardwired, isn't it? To look out for ourselves, to protect ourselves, to protect our families. And so in response to the fear of what this virus might bring, people have gone into self-preservation mode. We're putting ourselves first. We're putting our families first. And we're not really thinking about anybody else just now. And that's why the shelves are bare. That's why you can't get bread in Tesco's on a Saturday afternoon. It's normal behavior, this. It's normal behavior. It's not something that should surprise us or shock us. Fear and self-preservation are the two big things that are dominating a response in our world. But the question that we're considering this morning is this. How should you and I respond? As those who, who follow Christ, as those who are called to be salt and light in a dark world, how should you and I respond to this coronavirus? And this morning I want to make four suggestions. I want to suggest two things that, that you and I should not be doing and two things that we should be as followers of Jesus. 
And all of these things, they, they have the letter F in them. So your minister this morning is going to say four F words. That's not bad words. But there are four words which have this word F in them to help you remember what these are. And the first F word is fear. As followers of Jesus, we're not to let fear squeeze out faith. We're not to let fear squeeze out faith. We're followers of Jesus, but we're humans, aren't we? We're followers of Christ, but we're regular people. And our default position at the minute is fear. Because what's happening is scary and it's a bit frightening. But folks, what can happen if we're not careful is that we can let fear take over. We can let fear rule and reign our thoughts and our actions and our attitudes and our life just now. If we're not careful, we can let fear squeeze out the trust that we have in God. It's very easy for that to happen. But what I want to encourage you to do this morning is to let the opposite happen. What I want you to encourage you to do as followers of Jesus is to put your faith in God and let what you know about God squeeze out the fear in your life. I want to let what you know about God as you put your faith in God strangle the fear that's trying to strangle you. And this morning there are a few things that, that I want you to cling to in this time of coronavirus. The first one is this, is that God is in control. Whatever you face, whatever you see, whatever's going on, I want you to trust this morning and in the coming days and weeks and months that God is in control of this whole thing. He's not sitting on His throne in heaven freaking out. He's not sitting on His throne in heaven panicking, thinking, oh, I didn't see this coming. No, no, He is on His throne in heaven, ruling and reigning as He has always been from the moment He created the foundation of the earth. And over and over and over again, we see in the Bible this affirmed and affirmed and affirmed. And when it's affirmed, people say, we're putting our trust in you, Lord. God reigns, Psalm 47. He reigns over the nation. God sits on his holy throne. Psalm 93, the Lord reigns. He's robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on a belt of strength. Psalm 96, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Over and 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 over again in the Scriptures, it tells us that God is on the throne. We may not understand why He's brought this virus, why He's letting it have its way. At times, God does let these things happen. Sometimes to get people's attention. Sometimes to show people their mortality and their need of a Savior. Sometimes in judgment. We don't know why He's letting this happen. We don't know why He's letting this virus spread. But what we do know is that He is sovereign over it. And we can trust Him that ultimately He will bring out good and His glory through it. Trust Him the circumstances of your life, whatever they bring in the coming weeks and months. 
it was not a surprise to God. Trust in Him. Trust in His control. Trust in His goodness. The second thing that I want you to, to, to do is this, and the second thing will come up on the screen. Trust that God will provide. There are those of you here this morning, and maybe you are genuinely worried about provision in the coming days and weeks and months. You know your financial situation. You live week by week. Perhaps you have no savings. Perhaps you're genuinely concerned about provision. What I want to encourage you to do this morning and in the coming days and weeks and months is trust that the Lord will provide. Again, over and over and over in the scriptures you see it. We'll have Philippians 4 where Paul says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in his glory in Jesus Christ. Even in Nehemiah 9, which we were supposed to be looking at this morning, they look back to the time when they, they disobeyed God in the wilderness, when they rejected him. And what does it say? It says that God provided for all their needs, manna every day, quail by night, that their shoes never wore out that he provided. Trust him. Trust him in these days to provide what you need. But maybe you're here this morning and you're concerned about one of your loved ones, as Boris Johnson said, being taken too soon. Maybe you're here this morning and you're concerned for someone you love. The thing I want you to trust this morning is that no one goes before their time. That no one goes before their time. That the Lord is in control of, of when we're born and when we die. And again, we see this in the scripture, Psalm 31 verse 5. David says, my times are in your hands. At this stage, David is being chased by enemies. At this stage, David's life is under threat. At this stage, David in his heart is, is panicking about dying. And he turns to the Lord and he affirms his trust. My times are in your hands, Lord. He trusts the Lord, that the Lord is the one who, who brings life and takes it away. As Job said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Trust that no one is going before their time, but if they go, it's the Lord's time. And maybe you're here this morning and it's your own death you fear. Maybe you're here this morning and you're genuinely concerned for your own safety. Maybe you're here this morning and you're genuinely concerned for your own life. If that's you this morning, how I want faith to squeeze out fear is that you will trust that he will bring you through death. Trust that he will bring you through death. Psalm 23. It's uh, one of the favorite Psalms in the Bible. It's one of the favorite parts of the Bible. And David, he, he, he's on this journey, if you like, and he looks back on his life and he says, you know what, Lord, I've seen you provide for me. You've, you've led me beside still waters. You've brought me green pastures. You've refreshed my soul. You've given me rest and life. You've guided me and you've led me. And then David looks ahead to this time when death is coming 
And he doesn't know when that is, but with, with eyes of faith, he looks towards this time. And what does he say? He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This week I've been thinking about that part of the psalm. And I've written a few of my own versions. Versions that I've been saying to myself this week. Let me read them to you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Christ has gone before me and rose up from the grave and will raise me up to, to everlasting life. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Christ was separated from the Father so that I will never have to be. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Christ has carried my sin into his death, so I won't carry it into mine. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Christ has made this dark valley a smooth path home for me. Richard Baxter said that whenever he preached, he preached as a dying man to dying men. This morning, my question for you is, are you right with God if you die? Have you put your trust in the one who can save you from death? Have you put your trust in the one who can save you from hell? Have you put your trust in the one who will see you through the valley of the shadow of death into his presence where he's prepared a table for you? Have you trusted him this morning? Will you trust him this morning if you've not? Folks, in this time, it's so easy to, to let fear take over. It's so easy to let fear dominate our thoughts. But what I want to encourage you to do is to take the words of God we find in the Scriptures, to take all of his promises that are yes in Christ and to trust him in this time. Let trust in him, let faith in him squeeze out fear in your heart and in your life and in your mind. Let us be a calm presence in this panicked world. Let us be those who know where we're going. Let us be those, those who, are in, who know who's in control. Let us be those who walk through this time with a quiet confidence in Christ. Let's be those people this morning. We're to not let fear squeeze out faith. We're to let faith squeeze out fear. But there's a second F this morning. And the second F is the word foolish. And as those who follow Christ, we're not to be foolish in this time. Proverbs 12 verse 15 
sums up very nicely what it is to be wise and what it is to be foolish. Look at what it says there. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Do you see what a wise person does according to the scriptures? A wise person listens to advice. And as followers of Christ, that's exactly what we're supposed to do in this time. We're supposed to listen to the advice of those who are scientists and medical experts in what they tell us to do and not to do. And I cannot emphasize that enough. We need to take on board what we're being told. If we're feeling sick, we're not to come out to public places, but self-isolate for seven days if we have any of the symptoms of coronavirus. We're to wash our hands over and over and over again. We're to use that, that soap. We're to do that. We're not to be flippant or complacent. We're to catch our sneezes in, in, our, in, our, in our elbow or in a tissue and bin it. We're to try not to touch our faces. We're to avoid physical contact. We're to do the things that we're being told to do. Sometimes as Christians, we can be fools. I forget all that. Should we trust God? You know, let's just get on with things and not worry too much about what anybody else is saying. The Bible says the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. God calls us to be faithful. He calls us to have faith in him. But throughout the Bible, over and over and over again, he calls us not to be fools. He calls us not to to be foolish. Folks, if you have an underlying health condition, if you're in the later stages of life, if you're older, no matter who you are, whatever stage you are, please listen to the advice we're getting. Please don't dismiss it. Please don't ignore it. Be wise and take it on board. Let's move to the third F word. It's the word fervent. The word fervent, we're to be fervent in prayer. Now you're wondering, what does fervent mean? Fervent means to, to display a passionate intensity. When you're fervent about something, you're, you're passionate about it and it starts to consume you and it becomes something you do. So if I'm fervent about football, I watch match of the day, I go to matches, I'm obsessed with football. It's something that, that is in my, my bloodstream, if you like. And as followers of Christ, in this time of emergency and epidemic and pandemic, we are to be fervent in prayer. We're to pray. There's a wonderful part of a letter written to a young pastor called Timothy. It's written by the Apostle Paul, and he says this. He says, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Timothy, be fervent in prayer. Followers of Christ, let's be fervent in prayer. Who should we pray for? First of all, for all people. For the sick, for the dying, for the doctors, 
for those who are working on vaccines, for our neighbors, for our church family? What should we be preparing for? Protection, provision, presence of God. Who else should we be preparing for? And it, it very specifically, we're told to pray for kings and those in high positions. Let's pray for our government. Let's pray for those who oversee the medical world. Let's pray for our Kirk session meeting tonight. And what to pray? Pray for wisdom. What else should we pray for? Look at the next part of the passage down at the bottom. God desires all people to be saved. Pray for salvation. Pray, pray that those who are dying or sick, like the thief on the cross, will call out to Christ and be saved. Pray for people to share the gospel boldly in this time when death is on everyone's radar. Pray for salvation. It's interesting at this time, online there's a lot of mockery of Christians. It's fascinating. There's a mockery of people with faith. And, and I saw this on a website recently. It said, this only works if you add soap and water. Your prayers, Christians, come on, they're, 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 they're useless is basically the message of this. But that's not true at all. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much, says the Bible. God reacts when we pray. God has ordained in his wisdom to answer the prayers of his people. This picture, though, it got me thinking. And here's maybe something you could do. Maybe every single time you put soap and water on your hands, Boris has told us to sing happy birthday twice. Well, maybe a better thing to do for those 20 seconds would be to pray. Maybe every time that you go to wash your hands for those 20 seconds, you can lift up the sick and the dying. You can lift up the government and those in high positions. You can lift up those you're worried about. You can lift up your friends and your family. How about that as followers of Christ? Let's be people of prayer. And let's let washing our hands prompt us to pray for people and for our world. The last F is this. We're to follow Jesus. In this time of sickness, in this time of pandemic, in this time of fear, in this time of panic, you and I are to follow Jesus. We're to do the things that he has called us to do. Jesus does not say, okay, listen, take a break from following me here. I realize things are, are crazy. Just, just don't, don't worry about following me. No, no. Christ calls us to follow him at all times. He calls us to follow him at all times. And there are two things in particular I think we're called to do in this time. And the first one is this. Jesus says in John chapter 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. He's talking to believers here. He's talking to, to his disciples. Look around this morning. 
look around at each other as you leave here later on. This morning, following Christ, and in this epidemic, following Christ looks like loving one another. It looks like looking after one another. It looks like caring for each other in this time of sickness and panic and fear. And this morning, there's some practical things that I want us to do to, to look after one another and to love one another. Uh, the first thing is this. Out in the table there, there's a little table, and it's got a wee sign on it, and it's called the help table. And on that table this morning, there's a few items. There's some toilet roll. There's some uh, hand wash. And I think there's some tinned goods. And if you need something, if you're in a, an emergency, if you come on a Sunday and you haven't been able to get loo roll or you haven't been able to get pasta or you've not been able to get something, take it from the table. It's there for you to take. So whatever's on that table, you take that if you need it. And likewise, if you're out doing your shopping, why not grab a thing to bring and put on the table? Now, just to say, if you're sick, do not bring it. If you've not washed your hands, do not bring it. Bring it only if you're well and put it on the table for people to take. I saw a heartbreaking picture this week. It was a picture of a, of, of a supermarket full of empty shelves and a little old lady with a trolley out to get what she needed and unable to get it. And there may be some of you in the coming way, days and weeks and months, you come into that position where you haven't been able to get what you need. Well, when you come to church, there should be something there if you need it to take. That's the first thing we're going to do to look after each other. But the second thing I want to encourage us to do is to start a, a new system of caring for one another. And if you're younger in the congregation, this is where you have to step up, I'm afraid. If you're younger in the congregation, this is where you have to stand up and be counted. Some of our older congregation members may be in self-isolation if they follow government guidelines not too far away. Some of our older congregation might not have people who can go out and do a shop for them or who can deliver meal for them. Some of our older congregation here might be in positions where they need help and maybe don't have support to give that help. Well, those of us who are younger, we're going to have to step up and help. We're going to have to step up and help our older mothers and fathers in the faith. And there's a couple of things I want you to do this morning. Um, if you have a pen with you, um, I want everybody to write their name on the card. If you've got a pen, if you don't have a pen, I don't want you swapping pens. I want you to write your name on the card, and I want you to write your phone number on the card. That's everybody, okay? Everybody, I want you to do that. You can do that at the end of the service. If you don't have a pen with you, my number is on the little coronavirus uh, handout you got this morning. What I want you to do, if you don't have a pen to do that, I want you to text me your name and your number. What I want is everybody's details. Okay, that's the first thing we're going to do. The second thing we're going to do is that if you want to help out, if you want to be someone available to help someone else, then on, the, on this little card, there's a little I'd like to help box. I want you to tick that to let me know that you'd be willing to be involved in this. And I want you to post it through there. Or likewise, if you text me, tell me you want to help. But if you're an older person, or if you end up having to self-isolate and you need help, what I want you to do is I want you to get in touch with me and let me know. 
in the coming days and weeks and months, if you need shopping, if you need meal delivered, if you need a prescription picked up, if you need just a phone call and a chat, I want you to get in touch. And when you get in touch with me, I'll send that out to those who've said they're going to help and between us we'll help you out. We're a church family who are passionate about living for Jesus and caring for each other. And that going forward is how we're going to do it. So everyone, I want your numbers. Write it on the sheet. If you want to help, tick the box. But please text me and give me your number because I don't want anyone to be out of the loop in this time or feeling alone. Let's look out for one another. Let's love one another. But there's a second thing that Jesus says. He doesn't just say love one another. He says love your neighbor as yourself. In Matthew 22, a man comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what is the greatest command? And Jesus said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And the second he says is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Folks, I don't know if you recognize this, but as Christians, this is our time to shine. Have you realized that? This is our time to shine for Christ. We live in a world where everybody is obsessed with self-preservation. We live in a world where most people are only focusing on themselves and their needs and the needs of their family. And we folks have this wonderful opportunity, this, this maybe once in a lifetime opportunity to show people that Jesus loves them and is interested in them. And how do we do that? We do that by loving them in this time when everyone is so focused on themselves. We're not the first group of Christians to face an epidemic like this. In AD 249 to 262, Western civilization was devastated by one of the deadliest plagues that has ever come in history. 5,000 people a day in Rome alone were dying. That's how bad this was. And one of the eyewitnesses, he looked at two groups of people and how they were responding. He looked at the pagans. He looked at those who did not follow Christ. And here is what he wrote. At the first onset of the disease, they pushed the sufferers away and fled from their dearest, throwing them into the roads before they were dead and treating unburied corpses as dirt, hoping thereby to avert the spread and contagion of the fatal disease. But do what they might, they found it difficult to escape. The pagans were all about self-preservation. But then he goes on to talk about how the Christians responded. And he says this, Most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of the danger, they took charge of the sick, attending their every need and ministering to them in Christ. I'm not saying that we should be reckless, we're not to be foolish. But we're to shine in this time. There was a pagan emperor called Julian. And he wanted to get a charity going. A kind of pagan charity that would match the Christians. 
And, and the thing he highlighted, he says, he said, look at how they, they treat strangers. Look at their benevolence to strangers. And then he said this. He says, it is a, a disgrace that the impious Christians support not only their own poor, but ours as well. As you look at the plagues through history, as you look at the plagues in London and in Europe throughout the dark ages and into the 1800s, the thing you see over and over and over again is Christians shining for Christ. And folks, that's what we're to do. Love our neighbors. Not just be all about ourselves, not just be all about our congregation, but to love our neighbors as ourselves. And again, there's two things that I'm suggesting you might want to consider doing. Again, some of you, it's not wise for you to do this. Maybe you're older, maybe you've got underlying health issues. It's not wise for you to do this. But for those of us who are healthy and those of us who are able, there's two things I want to encourage you to do. Out in the hallway there on this, hand, this side of the, the, the church in the entrance hall, there is a little sheet with, with four little cutout things that you can put through people's letterboxes. And it says this, hello, my name is, you can fill in your name. I live locally at, you can fill in your address. My phone number is, you can fill in your phone number. And then it says, if you are in isolation or are vulnerable and need help, I can help you with shopping, posting mail, getting prescriptions. There's a few options there. And then you post it through people's door in your area. If you know people in your street, in your, your neighborhood who are vulnerable or need help, take those, fill them in and put them through. But please only do it if you're going to help. <laughs> you know, no point in doing it. Then you get a phone call and you go, oh, I'm not going to do that. Only do it if you're going to help. But that's the first thing we're going to do. The second thing we're going to do from next week is we're going to start bringing items for a food bank. There's a food bank on Mersey Street. It's run through a, Christ, a church, St. Christopher's Church. It's called the Larder Food Bank. And they have said that they have just been overwhelmed and they're out of stuff. And so over this time, we're going to bring stuff and we're, I'm hopefully going to have a trolley next week. And if you think for the food, bite, bring it and we'll get it down there to help. Folks, this is a, a frightening time. But do not let fear squeeze out faith. Do not let that happen. Be fervent in prayer. Do not be foolish and follow Jesus. May God help you. May he help me. May God protect you. May he protect me. But may God use you. And may God use me. Let's pray together. Lord, you are the sovereign one. You're in control. You provide, you protect, and you give your presence. Lord, for all of us in this time, would you help us to trust you, to lean upon you, to rely upon you? And Lord, would we know you to be faithful and true in our lives? Lord, help us to shine for you in this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.